0: Welcome to this week's episode of The Square. I'm here with Femi Kareem, and I'm, I'm really excited because um, we always had kind of envisioned three different kinds of episodes on The Square. The first would be um, thought leadership and and things that were focused on human-centric design. The second would be highlighting projects that uh, kind of exemplify the principles of, of human-centric design. But the third one was always to be able to have conversations and, and sit down and get uh, a little bit into you know architect and designers brains and kind of find out what makes them tick but also what inspires them and and you know why they do what they do so Femi is actually going to be our first profile and I'm, I'm really excited that you were a, the guinea pig for this Femi so thank you
1: <laughs> no problem at all
0: um, so let's just jump right in tell me a little bit about you know uh, what uh, family life was like and growing up what that was for you
1: So family-like was interesting. I'm the oldest of four boys. Uh, Both my parents are from Lagos, Nigeria. They both came here in the mid-70s to finish school. So after they finished school, my dad got his bachelor's degree in geology and my mom got her nursing degree. So from there, we settled in Houston. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was born in Louisiana. So we came to Houston around the time I was six and I grew up uh, in Houston mainly.
0: You're in Houston, you're growing up. When did you kind of start to get an inclination that maybe drawing or design was something that you enjoyed?
1: So I knew that I enjoyed drawing because I used to draw cars, uh, comic books, things like that. And also as a young child, I used to take our old toothpaste boxes and make little airplanes out of that, which is crazy, right, because I'm in aviation now.
0: Yeah, So, so then Fast forward, you get into school, where'd you go to college?
1: I went to Texas Tech University. Okay.
0: Go Tech. Go Tech. (laughs) So then, um, was there there any consideration of doing anything else besides architecture?
1: No, I kind of always knew I wanted to do architecture, but the biggest thing that really kind of made it so is that I didn't really know what architecture was all about. So when I got to school, I was in for eye-opening experience. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a little bit more about that. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we had one class, I guess, is, I'm not, I can't remember what it was, Intro to Architecture, and we had to do this project or whatever, and st- other students would get get around and study together. So I figured I was gonna go there, study for an hour or so, and leave, and uh, I got there, and I was there for like five or six hours. And I really realized, okay, this is serious business. Um, what I realized is that architecture at that point was a big time commitment.
0: Mm. So yeah, because the architecture program at Tech is it's five or six years, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a five. Well, when I was there, it was a five-year combined bachelor's/master's program. Wow. So was there ever a point in time when you
0: thought, I don't know if this is going to be worth it?
1: Yeah. There's actually this is a a real personal story, but I I'll tell it because I think it's important. There came a time where I was, I think I was going into my second or third year studio and I did not do well, I ended up failing and I was thinking about dropping out of school. Mm -hmm. So I went to talk to one of our counselors and at that time you can only take the studio like every fall, so I had to wait a full year. So I felt that after talking to my counselor that the best thing for me to do was either leave school and go back home and I felt if I went back home I wouldn't have came back yeah. so while I was waiting to take that studio again I actually ended up getting my general studies degree so I ended up taking other classes okay. ended up getting my degree got myself s- situated and focused and I came back and finished up my bachelor's and went into the graduate program
0: that's awesome so you graduate from from Tech yeah. and uh, and then what what was your first step in terms of moving towards an architecture career
1: so the first step was um, basically interviewing with firms Now at the time I thought I was gonna be able to go overseas and work because at the time I had done an internship with HOK mm-hmm. and I had a really good relationship with one of the VPs down there and um, so at that time the crash of 2008 hit yeah so that kind of um, Made things a little bit hard to do. So at the last minute, I went to the job fair, and Corgan was—I knew nothing about Corgan. Corgan was actually the last company I interviewed with, mm-hmm. but it turns out that one of my OTAs was actually working at Corgan, Clifton Black, and um, he actually recommended me uh, to Corgan.
0: So did you go right into aviation? Yes, okay. I started. I
1: started directly at aviation.
0: Was that was that like is that because that's where they were hiring, or was that a choice?
1: Uh, Is that it was because that's where they're hiring. I always envisioned myself working doing something with you know urban design because I love people I love how architecture has an impact on people's lives so that was kind of my focus and aviation was kind of that next step that bridge to that so that's one of the reasons why I was excited whenever I did do aviation it's funny
0: so many of the the aviation projects are so big now they're really almost an urban city unto themselves very much so
1: so are there some
0: projects that kind of stand out that
1: you've worked on yeah, so there's two projects that come to mind right away. The first one would be the satellite terminal for the Shanghai Pudong Airport. Mm-hmm. And the other one would be a totally opposite project, is a very small project, would be the Brownsville uh, International Terminal.
0: So why do those kind of stand out in your mind?
1: Number one, Shanghai was the first real project. I, thought, I, I felt like I, have a, I had a real impact on the design. Mm. And it's such a big project that it was able to teach me about working in a team Mm -hmm. and also the importance of how these airports can play a role in how people experience it. For sure. And what about Brownsville? So Brownsville um, I love because I was really involved in the design portion of it from beginning to end. And I liked it because it was a regional airport. So it was the exact opposite where, you know, typically airports are are representative of their cities where the Brownsville airport was more an extension of the city.
0: Hmm. What do you think it's going to be like the first day when you walk through the Brownsville airport and it's finished and it's like it's like a completed physical thing that's no longer in your
1: head? (laughs) Honestly I think it'd be like having another child. (laughs) I have three young girls um, and I think to be able to be part of something that is created from the ground up I think is the most special thing that you can have in the world.
0: Yeah. You said earlier a little bit that one of the things you really like is is thinking through, you know, even from the urban planning perspective, like how design affects people. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: So I think as architects and designers, we have a real responsibility that we design to be able to have people be safe in their spaces, but at the same time have those spaces be aesthetically pleasing. Now, those things aren't mutually exclusive. They go together. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the great challenge of architecture a lot of times you have places that are beautiful but functionally don't work well. Mm. The other times, you have spaces that are functionally work well but they're not as beautiful. There's always that constant kind of butting of heads. But that's why I think you always try to find that very fine line of doing both. It's finding a balance of both. Yes, of those. balance that's, of both. Yes. That's awesome.
0: So, so tell me a little bit about how you, when you strike that balance, like you said, between, um, you know, functionality and, and art and and being something that's you know engaging and, and pleasing.
1: Um, where do you find your inspiration for that? So, I think my inspiration just comes from observing. Uh, I like to photograph on the side. So I'm always interested about what still images invoke Mm -hmm. and how that can be captured in our spaces. Um, I also like contrast, color, light, and how light affects spaces. I think it's very important that being able to capture a moment is important that you can carry that through in your spaces.
0: All right, if you had to pick three shots that you've taken recently in your photography, thinking through this kind of exercise and inspiration, tell me a little bit about those three.
1: Okay, so there's one of the first shots that come to mind is one of the earlier shots that I've done. I did a photograph session for one of my good friends from college mm-hmm. of her niece, and if you're familiar with the statues that are over by the uh, train station in Deep Ellum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the I have The big a, metal ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I have a really nice shot of her. She's about, at the time, she was maybe three or four years old, so I had a really good shot of her looking up at the statue and i think what i really what that shot really invoked is wonder Mm -hmm. and how wonder can be transformative in our spaces so there's a series of shots that i did that were looking at downtown dallas Mm -hmm. and basically it was called look up and it was basically looking at our tall buildings and looking up at them Mm -hmm. and the reason why i really like that because it gave a sense of different type of landscape Mm -hmm. and in a different way that we look at high rises and I would say the final shot is a personal shot, and that would be shots that I've had of my kids. Mm. And what that does for me, it gives me a sense of hope. So anytime I'm always doing a new project, I get that sense of hope. So it always takes me back to those type of shots.
0: That's awesome. So so let's say that you're someone who um, you know, is just coming up in school, or maybe they're at that two and three year mark and you know wondering if it's the right thing for them. What's the advice you would give them?
1: Okay, so the first piece of advice I would give them is you have to be truly honest with yourself. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, is this something that I really wanna do? Is this something that I'm passionate about? No matter how hard it is, Mm. you can get through it. But the first step is being honest about if this is something that you wanna do. The second piece of advice is being able to find a mentor Mentorship is important in architecture because it's always good that you have someone that you can look up to and ask questions to. And especially as a minority, you know, there's not a lot of African American architects that are in the field, so it's important that you be able to reach out to someone that they don't have to be black or white, but be, be able to understand where you come from, because that's important sure. as well. And the third thing I would say is that never stop believing in yourself, no matter what anyone tells you. No matter what anyone says, do what you feel you think you can do. If you fail, you fail. If you don't, you don't. At least you can say that you actually tried.
0: Okay, so let's tell me, tell me one of those things that, you know, maybe it was a setback. Maybe it was something that you tried and did fail, but you learned from it.
1: I think it goes back to my journey in architecture school, and I would say the person that really helped me the most was my master thesis advisor, Mary Alice Torres McDonald. Shout out to her. (laughs) She sat me down and talked to me not just about architecture, but just about life and how to get through it and being able to understand that not everyone is going to think the way that you do. So a lot of this stuff is subjective. So do what you think is best because your design is going to be built on your wealth of experience, right? And then we all have different experiences. So what builds to really good design, holistic design, is those collective experiences. So she was really one to help me open that. She was the one that helped me see that.
0: So what are some of the things that are kind of invoking curiosity for you right now?
1: I think one of the things that I've noticed over my time working in the aviation field is that the importance of form Mm -hmm. and how that can play a part in the function of the design. I think a lot of times in our airports we get so caught up on that wavy roof or that one special thing that the function can be lost. And I think it's, you know, like we talked about before, it's a delicate balance of how you want to invoke that form. But at the same time, you also want it to be functional. I think there is times where there's too much of an importance placed on that form where some of that function is lost.
0: What do, you, what do you do when you're in a project and you think that may be happening? Like, how do you, how do you, what's, your, what's your check as you're going through a project to make sure that you're, you're making as beautiful a building as you can that's still functional?
1: So this all, this all goes back to the design process. Now, if you have a solid baseline that you can always go back to and refer to, that is gonna be your guide map. It's gonna be your roadmap to success. Um, you always wanna keep yourself honest. You know, Is this really something that's needed? Are we doing this because it looks cool? Are we doing this because it's integral to the story? You know, We have to remind ourselves that the architecture that we make it is also made to tell a story. Mm -hmm. You know, these spaces that we create, number one, they have to be protected of the inhabitants. But at the same time, they also have to invoke a story.
0: That's awesome. All right, so what are you most proud of accomplishing so far? So
1: I would think the thing I'm most proud of is being able to work on a project from beginning to end and really taking ownership in that project. And that project, like I mentioned before, was the Brownsville Airport Mm I was involved in the conceptual design all the way through the construction documents.
0: So you're able to kind of, not that it's your baby, though it probably was, <laughs> you're able, to, you're able to, to make sure that that story you were talking about is consistent throughout the, every phase.
1: Yes, and the thing about telling the story is not that I'm the one that's telling the story by myself. I'm also telling the story with Eric, mm-hmm. I'm telling the story with Rebecca, with Mitch, and all the others that played an integral role in that project.
0: So when you sit down, when you're sitting at the beginning of a project, mm-hmm. what is, you, you have, a, you know, a blank page or a blank screen, depending on where you're sitting, what's the first thing you do? Like, where do you start?
1: So for me, I really tried to understand what the project is about and what the owner is asking for. I really have to get the information to really try to create a story around it. And I like to write. Mm. I like to draw. And I think, you know, as designers and architects, we always look to images, but I also like to think about how these places are going to be felt and what going to be, what's the experience going to be like. So I think from there is just creating that narrative, that story, which helps delineate the path that you should go down.
0: All right, last but not least, where do you think architecture is going? What do you think the future of architecture is?
1: That's a great question. So the future of architecture. So I think architecture always mimics what's going on in society. Mm. Obviously we have a lot that's going on in our world. And when when I think about architecture and how that's interlaced, it makes me think that from a design perspective, we're gonna create spaces that are more holistic, that are based on a variety of different experiences. And I think once we start doing that, then that's gonna make these spaces a lot more richer. So it makes me a lot more hopeful. Um, from a technical standpoint, technology is always going to be involved. But the thing about this is that you really have to be careful about who that technology, who that architecture, who these policies, all these things that are interconnected, who they're serving. You just don't want to serve just one segment of the population. You want to be able to benefit for all.
0: Well, Femi, thank you for joining us and sharing with that. Um, If you are listening to just the audio version, you're missing out on some of uh, Femi's uh, photography, including I'm going to try and get a couple of shots of you as a kid, you know, and we'll put them in the video podcast. (laughs) So uh, make sure you check out the video podcast. and, uh, And again, thank you for joining us, Femi, and thank you for listening and watching.